Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, you know the drill. Key stats, all 22 reviews, some injury updates, snap counts, all of that and more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Trying to speed it all up today because we have a lot of notes to get to because a lot of guys balled the F out on Sunday. So the injury updates from Coach on Monday's press conference sounds like Teron Armstead has a chance to get back for the KC game. He will potentially have his 21-day window opened up, will travel with the team, and they'll test it out all week long. Robert Hunt is day-to-day. What else do we get? Looks like Javon Holland will be coming out of protocol this week. He tweeted himself that that was the case, so taking his word for that. Uh, David Long returned to the game, so he's fine, good to go. What else we got? Gave us some updates on Durham Smythe and Alec Ingold, but not a lot of clarity there. So lots of questions to coach about injuries every single week. Never get really any full clarity, but there you go. If you want to check it out on YouTube, you can see the entire press conference. We're going to skip it on the podcast today because, well, we have a lot to get to. Starting with the big play breakdowns from week eight against the New England Patriots, a 31-17 Dolphins victory. And you know where we're going to start here. A 42-yard dart from Tua to Tyreek for another long touchdown. And just a great call all around because the Patriots are doing what they do and getting an extra hat to the fit in the running game. They've got a zero technique, which is head up over the center, a four technique, which is head up over a tackle, a four eye technique, which is just inside that tackle, and then two wide nines. Those are two, think Cameron Wake flexed way the heck out there off either tight end, really. If there was a tight end, they'd be outside that tight end with their pre-snap alignment. And this leaves them a man short in coverage against a two-by-two set. Then we motion Hefe Wilson across the formation to Tyreek's side, which makes it three to one. And they don't chase him over there, which tells me zone, but the field safety loses his depth because he sees that motion man and comes forward all the while JC Jackson like stops his feet for some reason. He comes downhill and stops his feet. Wish we could play that guy more often, but just two times this year. Tua turns his back to the defense to fake the jet sweep to Jeff Wilson, and you see Tua's head immediately snap back and locate that safety who's losing depth. He's coming downhill, and right there, Tua knows where the football is going, but he doesn't rush the mechanics, and this is the key part of the play for me with Tua. To put himself in position to throw this ball half the field, right? Like, he threw the ball from midfield. It winds up a couple yards deep in the end zone for a touchdown, It's all about the hitch up and the foot mechanics for Tua here, which doesn't rush it, gets to his drop, hitches up, clean footwork, no clicking, no crossing feet, just keeping the feet even width apart, shoulders, hips, feet, all that stuff aligned underneath him. It allows him to do what he does best and throw 50-yard handoffs. This one again to Tyreek Hill for a long touchdown. And the way he's layering these balls to the outside shoulder to really run Tyreek away from the contact chef's kiss baby like I love the location on these throws you basically create no chance for the defense to make a play on it if you miss it somehow but you also give the best receiver in the National Football League plenty of opportunity to run underneath it just perfect and then Tyreek man wasted zero time like on the slow release against the Eagles and it was a shorter part of the field I think they were what 31 yards compared to 42 yards or whatever it was on this one he didn't have he didn't have time to waste to quote Alkaline Trio And he just went, just straight gas all the way to the end zone. And 
also, you know, locates the ball, tracks it, hauls it in, and he's back on the bench. And I talked about it on Twitter on Monday, uh, Sunday night. I went ahead and put the clock to it. From snap to catch is 4.9 seconds. From catch to bench is 9.17 seconds. So a little more than double, but impressive nonetheless. The next big player breaking down is the Tyreek catch on third and nine with six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Ball's at the minus 41 and the score is 24-17. If you don't get this first down right here, the Patriots have half the quarter and two timeouts to potentially mount a the exact same drive they just had, right? A, a full-length field scoring drive. And they probably go for two. And I don't want to be in that position at all. So let's get the defense, or the offense rather, to convert. And that's exactly what happens. We come out in an empty set, three by two, with the strength to the field. What does that mean, Travis? It means your three receivers are to the wide side of the field. And the Pats are in cover zero, and they place four birds on the fence. That means the defenders are just hanging out at the sticks nine yards down the field, trying to cut off any passes right at the sticks. And still Miami gets it. They send five on the rush. A safety pivots out into the post. And they're in this, what I think is a hybrid zone man combination, which can be a variation of cover eight. It can be sometimes cover six. There's all kinds of different coverages that have multiple variations. But I think we get man to the boundary and zone to the field. They defend Waddle and Claypool man up to the boundary. That's obvious to me. But I think they're trying to inside out this thing to the field, which is basically a communication, like a banjo switch where... One guy takes in and you carry him and then the second guy to the outside, the second player carries that guy. It sounds confusing because it kind of is, but Tua has a three-step drop from the shotgun and as he's hitting the top of that drop, he's gearing up to make this throw. The the hands separate, the ball's coming out and Tyreek is sandwiched between two defenders and he's three yards short of the sticks. Like, that tells you how fast this happened. Like, Tyreek is six yards off the line of scrimmage and Tua has already sped up the process to get the process of the throw going. And he wedges this football just right between two defenders. And you get tremendous effort from Cedric and Berrios to run the perimeter defenders off and Tyreek to really push up to really, I guess, keep those defenders on their heels long enough to create that space that he winds up fitting it in between. And then, of course, Tyreek skies up and catches the football off of his frame, which, you know, Tua gets a lot of the credit for the throw, and he should, but Tyreek to make that catch, like, (laughs) who called him one-trick pony? Was it the ESPN guy, the ESPN analytics guy that said he was a one-trick receiver? Like, shut up, dude. That's a big-time catch and a big-time moment. And, And, you know, something that you would see... I don't know, George Pickens, or I guess who's a great all-time, Terrell Owens, so it's a better option there. Um, If they did this in a playoff game, like if that was like the AFC Championship game or whatever, that would be the play where you're getting testimonies from Tua, Tyreek, McDaniel, maybe Christian Wilkins about, you know, like on America's game, like that that play was sick, man. Like they would break it down because it was so high level and such a critical spot of the game. Pass Pro does a good job absorbing four man, and then a fifth rusher gets free, which... You know, that's part of the issue in the protection slide, I suppose. But if he's coming off of Tua's left side, you know, from the far side, Tua is so good that he gets the ball out before that player can arrive like 90% of the time. And that sped Tua up. But just a team with two elite players, Tua and Tyreek, executing at a super high level to help you win a football game. Fantastic. And then Waddle ends it. The uh, Patriots go cover zero again. Duggar steps down to fit the run off play action. And that was really the key part of the play. But Jack Jones is sprinting across the formation, going with the man in motion and, you know, trying to take away Tyreek, converting to a kind of deep half field corner at that point. And Waddle comes clean down the middle. Now, it's a wide open walk in Tutty. 
But if you've got the tape, pull it up and take a look at Tua's feet for me. Once again, he keeps them active. He keeps kind of like tapping and clicking and making sure that he's not, you know, getting crossed up or getting stationary and stuck in a position where, you know, if I if I see the throw, I want to make sure my feet are active and moving in a position to where I can get off a good mechanical operation here and not, you know, have an overstride or a misstride and possibly drop the arm angle and miss this walk-in touchdown and create a fourth down situation where we have to convert. Otherwise, we're back in that same spot where the Patriots can go win the game. But he doesn't do that. Clean footwork, puts the ball right in the spot, and he, he kind of locks on the Tyreek first and sends the coverage that way, sees they overplayed it, gets aligned, locates Waddle, puts it on him, and Ingold picks up a key chip that Kendall Lamb actually misses on the original protection. You get a good wall from Cotton, Eichenberg, Jones, and Jackson that affords two at the time. Ball game. Uh, last big play, Ramsey swipes it. So at the snap of Jalen Ramsey's interception, the Patriots are four by one with two wide and orbit motion man heading to the strength. And the back is also to the strength offset in the backfield alongside Mac Jones. So four players to one side eligible, one backside, and he's attached on the line of scrimmage. So not really much of a passing threat. So Miami kind of knows, well, the only possible threat here is the perimeter and also maybe a crossing route back to the backside. And to me, there's two parts of this play that made the play happen to start before the two things, I think Andrew Van Ginkle's, so I guess the third thing, Andrew Van Ginkle's speed rush and win around the corner sped Mac Jones up just a little bit. He beat Trent Brown off the edge. But you see Brandon Jones drive on Devontae Parker with Ramsey outside leverage. Like Ramsey's walling off the sideline. He's running in phase with Parker on the outside hip. But then Brandon Jones just stops and wheels back into the post, which is where Parker runs. So there's like a film study you know, dual communication thing here with Ramsey and Jones that works out perfectly. And I think that Ramsey feels this, but either way, his eyes are on the quarterback all the way, which the ability to run and phase, but also have eyes on the quarterback is super, super rare. So I think Mac Jones is expecting Jalen to carry Parker to the post and for Brandon Jones to be too far away to come down and close off that wheel. But at the last second, they swap that and Jones runs the post and Ramsey comes back down the wheel. And the moment that you see Mac Jones's hands separate, this is the second part of the play that blows my friggin' mind. The plant, he, like the minute he separates, Ramsey internalizes it and hits the plant leg. And when I tell you that this man stops a full sprint and then starts in the other direction, all within two steps, like you know when you're driving and like, oh, you want to reverse your car and you, it's an automatic and you pop it back in reverse and it takes a minute for the gears to click. Like Ramsey's quicker than the gear click on your car. We said he was an alien for the recovery. This is the alien stuff that he does. The change of direction that puts him in shape for the easiest catch, like coming back down the stem, that's the easiest catch anybody can make. That's in the pregame warmups when the coaches are throwing you footballs out of your back pedal and you come back downhill. That's fantastic work to get himself in that position. Then you get a great downfield block from Cater Kohu that helps spring Ramsey for a 49-yard return on the interception. Top five tapes with Miami Dolphins. We're going to stay right there with Jalen Ramsey. You can see the impact by how he aligns. The defense has all these moving parts and shifting and pointing things out and communication changes. But Ramsey, I'm chill. I'm just pressed up over here on the one to the field, which is the furthest out receiver to the wide side of the field. Sometimes it's the boundary, the short side of the field. But either way, I'm just going to go ahead and press up and keep my eyes on this man right here. Not even concerning myself with the rest of the defensive call or shifts or motions. It's the old Sam Madison, 10 on 10, 10 on 10. And the coolest part, and Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic told us about this in the podcast this summer. Dennis told me about these shorts. Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry, 
Randy Moss, it doesn't matter. He can cover them all. They were essentially taking various parts of their progression out of the game when they matched up on Ramsey because he just beat them all. He won with physicality. He won with quickness and instincts. I knew he was good. I didn't, you, you had my attention. Now you've got my, you have my curiosity. Now you've had my attention. I just blew that. But I did not expect him to be this good 94 days off surgery. And then the forced fumble was textbook, like Pop Warner 101 football. That's how they teach it, man, and which is kind of rare in the National Football League these days. Hat on the correct side of the ball carrier, brought his feet through the party, finished through the ball carrier. Man, I wish we had fallen on that ball so it counted. Deshaun Elliott tried to scoop it up and maybe had a chance if he falls on it, but a good effort by Zeke Elliott to get his hand back in there and, and kind of strip it away from Deshaun, who was going to pick it up and possibly run it back for six. By the way, if Wilkins doesn't get the sack before the Patriots' field goal at the beginning of the third quarter, after we fumbled it back to him, they go three and out, Ramsey would have picked off the third down play because he falls into a backside, you know, deep over route from Kendrick Bourne, and he would have gotten there before the ball did. And Bourne put the mailbox up like, I'm open, but he wasn't because Ramsey felt it the entire way. Go watch it on tape. You'll see what I'm talking about. 29 coverage snaps. They targeted him three times. They caught one for 24 yards. He damn near broke that up too. Had a pick and a forced fumble that did not go into the books. First game back, he's the top tape of the week. Tape number two, and this is his seventh time in the top five out of eight games this year. Tua, Tunga, Bailoa. They blitzed the hell out of him and effectively got free runners often. But man, he just got rid of the football. Didn't matter. They blitzed him more than double any defense did this year, 23 times. That's 48% of his dropbacks. And on those dropbacks, he did get sacked twice. He scrambled once and he was 14 for 20 with a buck 44 and two touchdowns. There's no good defense against this guy who is comfortably, comfortably the second best quarterback in the NFL. And the only reason I give Mahomes this top spot over him still is legacy. Because right now, Tua is playing better than anybody else in the National Football League. Go talk to your cactus about it. And when you can play like this under pressure with no run game, man, that's putting the damn team on your back. Greg Jennings style. So, determ- so much determination, though. The location on the back shoulder ball to Waddle on the fourth and one on the opening possession. Color flashes into his face, a blue jersey right there. He throws it with Waddle at midfield and a defender on top of him with inside leverage. So the ball has to go back shoulder because he's right there in the hip pocket. There's a safety over the top 10 yards deeper, so we have to make sure this ball has some zip on it so we kind of settle Waddle down before he runs into that coverage. And then a trap corner who's outside squeezing back inside of Waddle. So this ball... It has to be through a proverbial 22-inch tire rim, you know, like old uh, Big Black from the Robin Black days. 22-inch arms. My arms are bigger than my rims. Uh, It's a turnover on downs if we don't fit it through Big Black's arms. And when you have the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, it's 17 yards on fourth and one, not a turnover. Just, I can't say enough about this guy. He's so damn good. We got a nice adjustment very early on, too. You know the first incompletion to Claypool where Jonathan Jones just sort of walls him off, and you're like, what the heck was that? Well, first of all, pass interference, I thought. They did that all game where somebody would wheel out of the pressure look and just search for the crosser and basically set a pick and wall him off. On the very next play, after the Claypool incompletion, it's, a, it's the following series, they do the exact same thing to Tyreek on a shallow cross. So Tua checks it, and I think he's reading low to high. You can't know if you're not in the quarterback room, but I think he reads Tyreek and then Durham to like the dagger, the 15-yard little in route, and then replaces the vacancy with the football to smite. That's why your two-star receivers went over 100 yards, in my opinion, because you had solutions to those brackets with your MVP 
to this point quarterback, finding the available space that they created. He threw them out of that coverage enough to the point we got 233 yards from Waddle and Hill combined. Really good stuff. The pick, he told us about it. They ran a unique coverage with double hook defenders. That damn Kyle Duggar, man, that, that damn Bob Barker. He does such a good job of just being in every place every time it seems like but on this particular play of flashing in front of Julian Hill where it looks like he's going to pick him up and run the vertical stem but then he peels out right at the last moment and baits to into that throw bad read great play defensively tip of the cap Kyle Duggar you made a lot of plays in this game oh my goodness guys the throw to Waddle at the end of the half where he laid out for the catch so the Patriots are in that double hook look again where they're trying where they're taking away that 10 to 18 yard range pass that we just you know pepper teams with we get a swing an out from Alec Ingold and a hookup from Durham Smythe all to that side of the formation with Waddle running the crosser in behind all of that now Tua when Tua strides on the throw he's directing his body language at Alec Ingold on the out route and the entirety of that middle structure of the Patriots defense which by the way there's also two deep safeties on top of all that with a three-man rush so this really well orchestrated really well conceived eight-man drop in coverage these are the hardest plays to win against when you have no threat of the run due to the game situation in this situation no clock left you know before the half Tua gets them all to flow outside of that throw to Waddle because he strides to Ingold, then fires over that level 20 yards down the field to Waddle. That is as elite as it gets. I know that people want to see guys throw, you know, off script, you know, rolling to their left across their body ropes and stuff, but I don't give a damn about that. I care about this stuff. This is winning football, like elite stuff. Then the throw to Waddle after the dropped back shoulder that he had. He's chased off the spot, attacks the line of scrimmage, eyes up, and throws a dart to Waddle on the move. Siri, what does elite quarterback play look like? To what? Tonga Vailoa. Oh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I think you could look back at the top two, or the, the two New England games this season at the end of the year and collectively say that that was Tua's most impressive body of work over his entire career. In terms of how they challenge you, make you play left-handed, or I guess right-handed in this case, tend to find ways to make you one-dimensional, the way they challenge your rules, the way he executed from a progression standpoint back in week two and in this game, from a big moment execution standpoint, from beating tight coverages time and time again, third and longs, whoo, collectively just two awesome, awesome tapes from QB1. Am I plugged in here? That would suck if I just did all that without being plugged in. Um, Let's see, just lost my train of thought. So besides the pick, I thought he had Two other misfires, the one to Berrios that Jack Jones almost broke on. That's just a good play from the defender, really. And then the final touchdown drive before the huge third down conversion to Tyreek. He had Waddle wide open and threw the ball behind him. Waddle dropped it, but it could have been a lot better of a throw. Otherwise, an awesome tape that ended with a touchdown throw to Waddle. His lowest deep ball percentage of the season just went one for four for 42 yards. That's nice to have a score in there as well. And then on throws over 10 yards in general, so 10 to 19 plus a 20 plus, he was 9 for 20 with a buck 92 and two touchdowns and a pick. Both are over 100 in passer rating. So relatively speaking, like this guy still uh, just balls out and still leads the league in everything. If he doesn't lead the league, he's second or third in the category. Uh, Let's round out the top five tapes on the other side here and take our first break because we are deep into the podcast. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Top two tapes today go to Jalen Ramsey and Tua Tungavailoa. Our third top tape against the Patriots goes to Jalen Waddell. And just want to acknowledge off the top some of the drops that both he and Tyreek had because, spoiler, Tyreek is my fourth top tape. Just a rare instance for both. But my goodness, I just love this dude's game, man. The effort in getting himself into position and outworking guys in the run-blocking game, just grit and determination and demeanor, it's all really, like, it's admirable for a guy that makes his money running by people, I think. And then how about the ultimate hype man when a fellow wide receiver does something big? Just loving up on Cedric Wilson after his first career touchdown as a Miami Dolphin. And then there's the stuff that he gets paid for, making the big plays, like catching a now throw at the line of scrimmage on third and 14 and following great blocks from Tyreek, from Barrios, from Jackson and Hunt and getting seven yards after the initial contact. He is so adept at picking his way through traffic. It's no mystery why he was a dynamic return man in college. The balance, the accelerator slash decelerator up the stem after one of the best release packages in the entire game. That's why he's always open. Tremendous, tremendous route runner. And as I wrote that, so he drops that back shoulder throw in the third quarter, right? Like, got to make the play, but on to the next snap, and he gets J.C. Jackson 1v1. Tua extends the play. Waddle presses the off coverage and just gets going downhill at him and then turns in with the head nod to sell the inside route. Jackson takes the cheese and wheels all the way out and runs around in circles and tries to drive before realizing it's a double move. And then all of a sudden, Jackson sprints back to the goal line and Waddle flattens it back out. And it's a deep out, wide open, easy catch for 23 yards. This is the Waddle game we were used to in 2022 in terms of stats. 2.88 yards per route ran. 10.1 yards per target, 41 yards after the catch, and what could have been so much more because three drops on the back shoulder, on the dagger that I thought Tua put behind him, and that little swing throw, that would have been like at least 50 more yards. He could have been close to like 175, close to 200 if he catches all those balls. My fourth top tape is Tyreek Hill, and the chemistry that he has with Tua Tungavailoa continues to pop in a way that just is, is rare. He ran one crosser on boot action with layers where... You got, you know, a low layer, a mid layer, a top layer to kind of spread the defense out in terms of vertical spacing. And Kyle Duggar saw it and knew where to go because he's Kyle freaking Duggar. And he runs to the spot where Tyreek's route normally goes. And then in perfect unison, Tua starts his throw at the exact same time that Tyreek just throttles down and stops. And he checks up and Tua knew that he would and just throws it there. It goes back to his post-game comment to us about practicing against looks you probably won't get to see, you know, against the team because of all the variety they show and a good example of just having answers to overplay and answers to what they might do to you because you have this offense so well versed and really I think the part of his game that makes him so dangerous because we've seen you know John Ross like four two guys coming to the NFL and accomplish absolutely nothing right is Tyreek's feel his understanding of coverage and how teams are trying to defend him he's so smart and Tua matches that smartness I have to imagine why that that's why that he went on that like PR campaign last summer, gassing up his quarterback because like the confidence to build is, is nice. That's good. But because I think that he knew a secret that nobody else really did, that this quarterback and him were going to go off the way they have. 2.55 yards per route ran, just 8.6 yards per target. His second lowest output on both those categories on the year, both of those against the Patriots, 32 yards after the catch. 
we move. Christian Wilkins, my fifth best tape. They didn't move him with a double team all game long. It's a thankless job for anybody that has to fulfill it, and it helps him create splash plays for other guys around him. And then he does that as well as anybody along with Zach Sealer. But man, how about the run stuff he had that I mentioned on the podcast last night? He's the one technique. He knocks the right guard back into the backfield, throws him to the side, feels the flow, beats Ezekiel Elliott to the corner, and cuts him down outside the numbers for a big tackle. You know, Andrews and Strange on the Patriots O-line are good players. He gave them all they could handle. They, they couldn't deal with Christian Wilkins. And the way he creates gaps and then exploits them, like, I'm going to knock you, you know, back into the backfield, then get off this block inside and cut down the B-gap. It's impressive, man. It's really, really impressive. All game, he would widen the split and then get back inside of the block to make the play. His sack arsenal is, or his sack was the full arsenal of moves he has where he walks the right guard three yards in the backfield, disengages, and then closes with the first explosive step to the quarterback. What a game. One pressure, the sack, but five stops in terms of getting run down or wins for the defense and running downs. Uh, my consideration for top tapes were also Austin Jackson. I thought the combination of Rob Jones and Lester Cotton were really good. Uh, Jalen Phillips was my 5B behind Christian Wilkins, David Long, Cater Kohu, and Deshaun Elliott all garnered consideration for top tapes. Let's go ahead and pick up the offensive notes here and just in general. So I would love to have Coach McDaniel explain this because he alluded to it in his press press conference postgame. But I think the reason that he was so impressed by the Patriots' game plan was because they had many different looks that ultimately gave them the same result. Bodies in the middle of the field who could both fit a gap in the running game but also be able to get proper depth to take away those intermediate throws between the numbers where Miami lives. Because the thing that Miami did to combat that was, you know, they had to have success to other parts of the field, the perimeter, the flats, the verticals, you know, the Berrios reception, the Ingold swing, the Reek and Waddle screen passes, the Tyreek deep shot. Hitting all those opened up some of your bread and butter later in the game. And then they would come back to those concepts and the Patriots would react differently and it's Tua's ability to recognize real-time those variances. That's what made the difference to me. I talked about it in camp, all camp long, right? It seemed like Miami made this concerted effort to be able to expand their passing game with consistency beyond those middle-of-the-field throws. And at times, it looked like a struggle, but those reps are starting to pay off now because A, you know, you had success moving the ball and doing that, and B, you got the Patriots to react to get ultimately what you do best. An example, you know, the fourth and one conversion to Waddle was the exact same concept as the Waddle touchdown, but the Patriots react differently. They vacate the middle of the field. You see two a hitch and pump and realize it, let the ball go, walk in touchdown. I would love to, you know, ask like a Bill Belichick or somebody how they feel about defending this offense for 60 minutes because it just looks like such a challenge. And it's proven to be that way so far. The rest of the eligibles, I just want to note Durham Smythe's gutty performance because he got dinged up early and just kept coming back for more and toughed it out, made some big catches and key blocks and competed his ass off. Great game, Durham Smythe. Julian Hill is a player, man. So, like, we have, you know, support staff that aids the coaches around the building and whatnot. Like, whether it's cutting up tape, getting extra research info, or just getting a coffee, like, it makes the job easier, right? I feel like that's Julian Hill's role for the offensive tackles. He enacts something of a tush-push on some catch-and-climb doubles where he gets surge and kind of helps displace those five and four techniques out of their gap, then stays attached at the hip with really good chemistry with those tackles 
to prevent the second level defender from coming downhill and splitting that double team. He just like climbs up and walls him off. It's really impressive. And on a consistent basis, he dents the edge, you know, and creates a new gap inside for Miami. On Raheem's touchdown run, you know, as my co-host Seth Levitt would say on the postgame show, he just hits, you know, grown-ass man blocks and he races the forced defender for a Raheem Mostert walk-in touchdown. He's a damn good cog here, man. Alec Ingold, same story. His ability to change track, like the mental processing to go pick up a block that looked like somebody else had it, but they fall off the block is just awesome. Like, you know, someone springs a leak. He's going one way. He stops and goes and gets it. Maybe we dub him the repairman. I, I like that nickname, just kind of a jumping off point. I don't know. You can tell me whether or not you like it. Chase Claypool, awesome right after the catch. But man, the block that he hit on fourth and one, the conversion to Tyreek, that's to me his welcome to the Dolphins moment. Great, great work there. You do that, Chase, you're going to get more and more ops. And he seems inspired. I just get the feeling that he's going to make a big play in a big game at some point this year. Go ahead and write that down. We'll come back to it later. Cedric Wilson, the pre-snap motion creates a situation on his touchdown where he had a two-way go and he has to win inside and his release sells the defender that the outside kind of fade route or outbreaking route was a possibility and that was just all he needed to cross face and give two of that target excellent route good catch touchdown dolphins uh, Raheem Mostert looked off to me looked slower to hit his creases he would stretch his track I thought too far and allow the backside pursuit to catch up there were some failed blocks that led to immediate contact but I thought the backs in this game in general, did little to help that. To me, the the lowest performing game for the running backs for the Dolphins this season. Shout out to Savon Ahmed, though, for making the unblocked man miss on that screenplay where he picked up like 16 yards and got us a big first down when we're backed up behind the sticks. That's what you ask of your back. Win a one-on-one matchup in space, and he executed for a big conversion there. Offensive line-wise, just to lay a blanket over this and how, you know, How can you be anything less than impressed? I mean, yes, the Patriots did pressure us more than any team so far this year, but damn it, the offense was incredibly productive, even though they had to dig deep into the offensive line depth. It's a credit to so many people, starting with Butch Berry for teaching them, and the players, of course, for taking the teaching and executing it, but it's also up top with personnel for building this football team in a way that maximized the strengths of the quarterback and the head coach, Mike McDaniel, who implored the organization to do so with his famed 700-play cut-up to build a team from the outside in in terms of getting dynamic eligibles who can maximize the accuracy and anticipation while making the job on the line easier because the anticipation and getting the football out quickly. It's just an organizational win across the board. But again, give it up for Lamb, Cotton, Liam, both Robs, Austin for getting the job done yesterday. There was a time when this organization, you know, if you're down four offensive linemen or even a couple, they wouldn't have scored a point, maybe not even get a first down. But Miami with this situation, 24 first downs, 31 points, hats off in that scenario. I had been concerned about the connectivity on the interior that was sharp all year prior to injuries, but damn it, it was really good. So credit to Jones, Cotton, and even Eichenberg for getting this stuff picked up and playing as a singular unit. Individually, I thought Cotton got some good movement on some successful runs they had and had really good work in pass pro, evident by one pressure allowed on 48 pass blocking snaps. Austin Jackson, uh, what more can you say about the guy? His processing has been fantastic. He really seems to understand the design of each protection, when to go help inside, but to also keep an eye outside for those delayed blitzes or guys coming off the edge who maybe weren't part of the initial pressure equation. He just is smart. His, his first vertical step after engaging contact on a pass rusher it's got to be one of the quickest in the league because he gets so much depth with it that the rusher thinks like he shows him the corner 
and they try to take it with speed, and he just latches on and runs them right by the quarterback, and they wind up five yards behind the QB. 48 pass block snaps, no pressures allowed. I'm ready to rubber stamp it. Austin Jackson's a very good player. Kendall Lamb, displacement in the running game was consistent. His work off the edge was really good. That patented patient hand draw where he flashes the hands and brings them back and gets the, the pass rusher to show his hands does it so well. He got critical push on a mid-red zone run before our third touchdown that created a six-yard run due largely to his denting of the edge after the injury, too. What a beast that is. And then to go back to that, on the game-stealing touchdown drive, Raheem had a 10-yard run on second and five on the opening series of the drive. I just thought it was such a key play in the game, and Lamb sealed that block with a great reach. He had to get outside of, a, a, I think, a five technique on his outside shoulder to go hit with proficiency. He does it. Huge play in a big spot. 45, or rather, 46 pass block snaps. No pressures allowed. A couple of negatives. I thought Rob Hunt had his worst game in a long time even before the injury. He lost back-to-back blocks for TFLs on the opening drive, missed a pretty simple second-level wall-off that cost Raheem a chance to hit the second level at full speed. Then he got beat on the outside post for a sack, eventually gets injured. Just not the Rob Hunt we've seen all year long. And then Liam Eikenberg, same story, got thrown around, didn't really sustain blocks, unreliable the few times you asked him to hold up one-on-one in pass protection. We had the perfect look on the long Tyreek touchdown, and it almost got ruined because he got undressed by Barmore on that play. So that's your Dolphins offense. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side, do a quick defensive recap and snap count recap. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Defensively, a strong showing for your Miami Dolphins. And just some general notes off the top. I'm not sure what happened on the Kendrick Bourne touchdown, but it was way too easy. And I think that Bethel expected help inside because he didn't really challenge Bourne's access to the inside release. And it looks like Deshaun Elliott maybe saw something on the other side of the formation that forced him to run that way away from the post. Maybe just a miscommunication. I don't know, but it definitely is a teachable moment because that was way too easy on that situation there. But you know what else? Other than that play, the cohesion just seemed really damn good. There was a lot of like you know sharp communications and pass-offs, mostly working off Jalen Ramsey. And my theory there is that he's so instinctual and consistently in good position that it makes life easier for everybody else to go get their keys and, and find him and go. So I thought that was great. On the front, Jalen Phillips, man, like he was so close to my top five tapes. The way he would work inside, then spin back outside and make a run stuff, and f- after forcing the, the back to bounce out there, or when you know the opposite was true, he'd work outside the set the edge and then kick back inside for a tackle. When you can dictate the back's track and then make the play, he and Wilkins did this all game long. That's elite stuff. Attacks goes out and attacks pulling guards too, which those guys are supposed to be able to knock out an edge, but not Jalen Phillips. He wins that to shut down the series in the next run as well. Very next play, he locks out Hunter Henry and then resets the line of scrimmage, detaches and cuts down a jet sweep for a short gain. That's three notes. I'm six snaps into his game. He finishes with two pressures and five stops. They ran to his side, the right tackle and right end, six times for 17 total yards. Good game, JP. 
Bradley Chubb, his length impacted the game, I thought, big time. They couldn't really move him in the running game. His pass rush heated up as the game went on, and he and Phillips just whipped tight ends all game long. They should, and they did. The coverage on the play before the play from last night's podcast, just good stuff, man. And what's funny, his sack wasn't even one of the best pass rushes, I didn't think. It was a double team that just kind of stopped playing, and he didn't. And just another reason that you... Don't look at sacks as the end-all, be-all because he had better rushes in the game where he didn't get there because the ball gets out before he can get there. So three pressures and two stops for Bradley Chubb. Uh, Off-ball linebackers, David Long, it's great to see him play like he has the last two weeks. To me, this is the player that you know we saw in Tennessee who uses knowledge and instincts with speed to make those splash plays every single game. And these last two games, he's been all over the field. It's sort of like Tua on offense. The more reps he gets, I think the better that he will get as a player because he just kind of sees more and becomes more familiar with more in terms of his, you know, role on this football team. So that's great to see him, you know, enact all that. And then when he went out for a snap, we got one snap of Duke Riley and all he does is recognize a pulling guard and wham, he goes and gets him and stands him up. That's great work from Duke there. One snap off the bench and you go and initiate contact like that. Keep that up. Uh, Jerome Baker, I thought, timed up some blitzes really well and played through some contact well early, early in the game. But just as I freaking write that, back-to-back passive reps where we get out of our gap and let a down block absorb us, it's just frustrating the lack of consistency there. Then we come back and overrun another hookup throw. I, I get that it's Demario Douglas and he's fast as hell, but it's a common occurrence where it's a whip route, we attack it, he makes a move and beats us back inside. It's just frustrating to me. And the secondary, Deshaun Elliott, this dude's an absolute baller. So Javon Holland typically plays the boundary side safety in two high looks where you're on the short side of the field. And this allows him to peak on potential crossers on the front side, help the X receiver to the backside. It just gives him options. And I thought Elliott just killed it in this role. The run fits. There's a play where the Patriots on the Patriots first touchdown drive where it's him and Ramondre Stevenson in the gap. Nobody else, mano e mano, and he just whacks Stevenson and puts him on the ground. That's a 230-pound back, man. And then, of course, the hit on Devontae Parker. Good stuff, man. Tone setting stuff. Cater Kohu, I just love this tape from him. He played closer to the line of scrimmage in the formation in this game, did some more blitzing. But man, when he follows the jet motion, you might as well take it out of the progression because they threw those swings against him three times, and I think they broke even, like zero yards in those plays. They tried him quite a few times. 32 coverage snaps, seven targets, six catches, with just 34 yards allowed. That's under five yards per target. A great day there for Cater Kohu. We finish up the podcast here as we do every single Tuesday or Monday night with the snap counts. So quite a bit of shuffling on the offensive line, both Liam Austin, Liam and Austin went the entire distance in the game. And then you had a bunch of guys that missed some snaps. Uh, Lamb missed five snaps. Cotton missed six snaps. I think it was the one series they were rotating him and Robert Jones out. Speaking of Robert Jones, he plays 56 snaps in the game and Rob Hunt played just 27 snaps in this game with Keon Smith playing five in his first uh, NFL action ever. Tua goes the distance. Waddle and Tyreek both played exactly three quarters of the snaps, 58 total. Um, The next receiver was Braxton Berrios at 53% of the snaps. Cedric Wilson played 30% and then Chase Claypool played 14%. I imagine that will start to kick up here as we go along. That's kind of your typical receiver rotation without River Craycraft back out there yet. Uh, At tight end, we had Durham Smythe play 66%, and he gutted all those snaps out. Julian Hill played 44%, so lots of tight end action in this game. Plenty of 12 personnel they enacted in this one. Ingold gives you 32% of the workload, and then your running back workload, Raheem kind of got some time off in this game, 56% of the snaps, and then Savant Ackman was second with 25%, and Jeff Wilson got the same amount there. Both those guys got 19 snaps at the running back position. On defense, I think you kind of, you've kind of kind of fallen into a pattern now of knowing what you're going to get here in terms of who's going to play the most and who's not. You saw on defense, 
Both safeties played the entire game, all 53 snaps for Jones and Elliott. Cater and Ramsey played 53 and 49 snaps respectively, so basically the entire game for all four of those guys. Um, the other cornerback additions, Apple played 89% of the snaps, and then you had a big drop-off there because the next guy was Justin Bethel, who played four, and Nick Needham got four snaps on that final series. Uh, let's see, other linebackers, Jerome Baker played every snap. Long came off the field on the injury. He played 89% of the total workload, and then Duke Riley had the one snap. Off the edge, we saw... Phillips played 85% of the snap, so it looks like he's all the way back, and that's fantastic news. Chubb played 81%, and Van Ginkle had a big dip in production here, but this Patriots group is a, a big unit, so it makes sense to have Chubb and Phillips more than a speed rusher like Andrew Van Ginkle. He gave you 26% of the snaps. On the interior, uh, Ogba played six snaps in the game, so his, his workload continues to decrease here for the Dolphins uh, as he kind of falls into that fourth edge man fourth position on the edge rotation on the interior defensive line Wilkins played 87 percent Sealer played 85 percent those guys are just beasts man uh, Raekwon gave you 38 percent and uh yeah, that's it so there you go those are your Dolphins snap count your Dolphins all 22 review from the Patriots victory a sweep of the Patriots we'll come back on Wednesday and preview the Chiefs as the entire team is now in Germany by the time you hear this podcast we'll get to that on Wednesday but until then that's gonna be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead, leave us that rating, leave us that review. You can follow me on social at Wingfield NFL and the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice and our post-game show on iHeart app, the iHeart Radio app, I should say, and Big 105 FM. 105.9 FM. Check out the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, media availabilities, and so much more. And last but not least, my three takeaways piece up on MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Come on, Cameron, Daddy. Let's go.